What's up, Chapel family? How's everybody doing this morning? It is good to be back with you. After last week, I was with one of our church plants. Dylan Davis left and planted a church in North Nashville, my hometown, White House, Tennessee, last week. And just want to give you a report. One, it's good to um, just go and see that God is using chapel to be an influence, not just in the shoals, but kind of all over our region and even nationally as we kind of minister to other pastors all over the country. So that's just really cool and really fun. But Dylan's doing great, him and Abby and the boys. We get to love on them for a little bit and just see what God is doing there. Uh, they're running 150 to 200 people every single week. And so the seed we've sown in them is being fruitful and is bringing back a harvest. And so just know that you are a part of what God is doing in White House, Tennessee. So give yourselves a hand real quick. And a lot of good stuff going on. You saw the Chapel Connect. If you're newer here or maybe you haven't got connected, you're not a member, you have questions about what's it mean to be a member here, how to become a member, you know, how to get connected, that Chapel Connect is for you. We're just going to take a chance to get to know you, talk over some light refreshments, and then point you in the right direction for your next step. So you're more welcome to join us. And Chapel Midweek starts a week from this Wednesday. And so it is going to be a powerful night. It's going to be a night for our kids to be discipled and to grow in God's Word and remember remembering his word and memorizing it for our youth to continue. Uh, Pastor Tristan's doing a great job. Him and his team got his blessing. Our youth ministry is growing all the time. And so we're going to add an adult prayer meeting here in this room every Wednesday. I believe God is raising the standard of prayer in his church because I believe God wants to do something. And God always uses prayer to precede powerful moments. And so we're going to talk about that today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. And if you want to mark, you can mark Matthew chapter 6 as well where the Lord's prayer is. And so to, to mark the room, how many of you remember the old school days of 56K dial-up modems? Raise your hand. Like you can't forget that sound. I think they use it in horror movies now. Like, like it's, and I changed a modem out one time and realized there's actually a speaker on that thing just to produce that sound. And I thought, man, why would they scare you when you're trying to log on? And so remember those days, if you had to get on the internet, you had to go click log on to AOL or whatever, uh, Netscape, whatever you use, and it would try to connect to the, the World Wide Web at the time. And it would connect, and once it got connected, you would slowly change web pages, because once you clicked a new page, that little blue bar would take five to ten minutes to load the next page. And heaven forbid somebody picks up that phone. If somebody picks up that phone, we are fighting. Right? So 56K, you had to, you had to go and you actually had to log on in order to connect to upload information or to download information. And then we got into, you know, faster modems, cable modems. Now we have Wi-Fi. And Wi-Fi, you don't have to, to log into Wi-Fi. It's always active. If you're close enough to the network, you can always upload and download at all times. And I, and I, I think what has happened as the world has moved from 56K to Wi-Fi in order to connect to the World Wide Web, the church is lacking in prayer. We still have 56K type prayer instead of Wi-Fi type prayer. You say, what does that mean? Well, prayer is a connection to God. It's a prayer is a connection where you're close enough to God to, to upload your needs, to upload your burdens, to upload your temptations, to upload your struggles. You can upload them to God, but at the same time, he downloads encouragement and peace and joy and hope and love and, and answers and revelation and vision and encouragement, all these things into you 
But the problem is, as a church, we, we, we're not close enough enough to the network to log in. And so we only log in in an emergency, and we come and we hit that AOL login button, and we get that 56K dial up, and you wonder why God is quiet. It's because you're still in a 56K prayer life. And I, and I think what God is saying to the church is he's trying to raise the standard of prayer to get the church in a place where we can combat what culture is doing to upload and download information into us. He's trying to bring the church into a Wi-Fi age of prayer where prayer is not just an option, it's a lifestyle of his church. In 1 Thessalonians 5, you'll see it like this. It says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Young people and ask me, what, what is the will of God for my life? It is to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you. The NIV says, pray continually. And so when Paul was talking to the church, he was trying to encourage them that it's not, a, it's not an option that you just pray when you have to. It's, it's not really prayer if, if you've chosen every other option, you've, you've exhausted yourself with trying yourself, and then finally, okay, well, I guess I'll, um, I'll log in and talk to God. That's what you call a Hail Mary. In football, that's the last play of the game. You've exhausted all your resources. You've exhausted all your plays. Your team is tired. Everybody's wore out, and you're like, you know what? We'll just throw a Hail Mary and hope something happens. That may be your prayer life, that you don't spend any time with God. You're not, you're not connecting with God on a daily basis. The only time you connect with God is when you're so depleted and wore out, you feel like your back's up against the wall, you feel like you're about to lose the game, you're about to lose control, and you throw up a Hail Mary and hope that God answers your prayer. Paul says it shouldn't be an option. You should be praying continually. Meaning prayer is a lifestyle. Meaning if you're staying connected with God, he's given you the play throughout the game to give you success and victory. It's like the head coach. He's on the sidelines, but he has headphones on. He has an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator upstairs. Tell him, hey, the defense is running this defense. They're running a cover two. Let's run this play. Hey, the offense is running to this side more often than not. Let's run this defense. The whole game, he's in connection with people with a higher perspective and point of view than he is. How ignorant and arrogant would it be for the head coach to say, I don't need these headphones. Coaches the whole game without anybody else's perspective. Coaches the whole game without any connection or communication. And at the end of the game, they're losing. Then he puts on the headphones and says, hey, what place should we run? But that's how we live our lives. We want to run it. We want to run our own plays and run our own things. And then when it's not working out, we're like, okay, God, where are you at? And the problem with that is, is not that God won't answer it, but you put yourself in the best position possible when you realize that the more connected you are to God, the more he's downloading into your life. The more you're connected with God, the more you're uploading your needs ahead of time. I'd rather take God's small burdens and small issues than stockpile them up in a wheelbarrow and say, God, please help me. That's what Paul says, pray continually. Release your burdens continually. Confess your sins continually. Get joy from God continually. Receive peace from God 
continually. Because the answer to our problems is always prayer. And prayer precedes power. In the New Testament church, you see it over and over and over again that every time you see a healing take place or a miracle take place, many times you see the disciples, like the healing of the beggar, they were on their way to the time of prayer at the temple. And so they had this continual three times a day of prayer, the New Testament church that was in the temple, that was at the synagogue, that was in their homes. They were continually praying. And some of them are this. I just want to give them to you kind of real quick. Some of this, the first time they healed a lame beggar in front of the gate of the temple, it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour, which is 3 to 4 p.m. in Jewish time. So as they were going to prayer, they bring healing to somebody. Then the second time in Philippi, they were going, they went up to the place of prayer. So there's a time of prayer and a place of prayer. Later on, when Peter got called to the rooftop, it was the noontime prayer time. That's when God downloaded him onto him. The Gentiles and Jews were all one in Christ Jesus. And so the New Testament church wasn't a church that just prayed once a year. They weren't a church that just prayed once a day. They continually sought after God, continually stayed connected because God was their source, not necessarily the church. God was their source, not the Roman government. God was their source, not their careers or their jobs. God was their source, not their families. So they continually stayed connected to their source. And the church was birthed in prayer on the day of Pentecost. It was saturated in prayer ever since. It was sustained through prayer, maintained through prayer, until Western modern people thought we could preach our way that needed to be prayed through. And I would would wish to God I could preach things down. But you can accomplish a lot more praying something through than trying to preach something through. You can accomplish a lot more trying to pray through something or pray somebody in. I, I, I'm gonna, I love evangelism. I love, you have to share the gospel. But I've learned that if you're sharing the gospel but you haven't prayed for them yet, it's only fleshly evangelism. But if you pray for them first, you can actually pray people into salvation. And the New Testament church realized this, that every time you see God move, it's connected to a prayer meeting. Every time. But now we think if we could just get the, get the worship right, get the preaching right, get it within an hour and five minutes, if we can just get all that done, then God can move. No, no. Everything begins and ends in the prayer closet. That's why Paul said we need to pray continue. You say, well, what is prayer? These are some of my definitions of prayer. One, prayer is powerful. It's not just a preach. It's not just a word. It's, it's powerful because prayer is a rhythm of the soul. Your soul was created to connect with God, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, to connect with God in relationship. Your soul is created with this rhythm that it needs to connect, to download what it needs. Your body needs physical nutrients, but your soul needs some spiritual nutrients. And you download those through prayer. Prayer is an appointment with the king of kings and the king of all creation. That you have an appointment with the person who created the universe, who created the earth, that created everything. Prayer is when you say, I have an appointment on my calendar to meet with that king. Prayer is also the key to spiritual breakthroughs. Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth, I'm giving you the keys to heaven. That whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Prayer is a connection to speak to God and also to hear from God. That the Bible is how God primarily speaks to us, but prayer is how we speak to God. 
Prayer is a weapon against the enemy's schemes. Prayer is the way to receive blessings. Prayer is an encounter with heaven, just like Revelation 4, when John is called up, what's he see? He sees the prayer room of heaven where God is sitting high and lifted up on a throne. Prayer is an exchange of our wills and our desires for God's wills and God's desires. Prayer is a refuge from the worries and anxieties of the world. Prayer is a commandment that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6 that when we pray, that is to be obeyed. Prayer is how we partner with God here on earth. And prayer is also a stairway between the natural and the supernatural. It's how you, you move natural things up to heaven. You move sin, you move burdens, you move your frustrations, your anxieties. You move them up to heaven through prayer, but in return, God brings spiritual blessings down to earth. And that's done through Prayer. I, I don't know why God chose prayer, but I do know God wants to bring heaven into history. He wants to draw eternity into time. He wants to bring his kingdom down to earth. He wants to bring peace into worry. He wants to bring joy into sorrow. He wants to bring healing into sickness. He wants to bring hope into despair. And the mechanism he chooses to use is not a preacher, is not a worship leader. It is prayer. I don't know why he chose that mechanism. The only reason I can think he chose that mechanism is of all the things, that's the only thing you have to draw close to God to use. And in God's relational desires, you know, the preaching, you don't have to, you don't have to draw close to God to hear a message. You don't have to draw close to God to hear some worship. But in order to pray, you must discount everything else. To pray, you have to discount and remove every other obstacle, every other burden. You have to check out of everything else to focus on the king and your connection relationally with him. And so God chooses prayer because it's what makes us the most like sons and daughters. And Paul says, I wish you would just pray continually. I wish you'd be connected to your father continually. I wish you would stay so close to this Wi-Fi network, you don't have to pick up on your neighbor's network anymore. I wish you were so close to your network, you didn't have to go get to Starbucks to get on Wi-Fi. He wants you to stay home with God and dwell with God so you stay on the right network. And there's lots of networks. I, being honest, this has just crept up. So last night, the last few nights I haven't been up to sleep, and so I thought, man, how can I get some better sleep? And so I said, I'm going to turn on some of that weird rain music you got on Spotify. Right, so I tried one, one's rain, one's ocean sounds, and it just felt kind of creepy. And so Spotify, there's all these other lists, and I put on one, right? And it's like, supposed to help you sleep, meditate. And this dude, I think, was speaking curses in the most soothing voice I've ever heard of my life on me. He's like, oh, your eyes are getting heavy. I was like, what the? I don't know if he was hitting on me through Spotify. Like, oh. But I was like, something felt spiritually off with that. And what it was, it was a Wi-Fi network for a kingdom other than my kingdom. And so if you're not careful, even if you're not saying, I pray to this person, you will pick up on the networks and you will download some things in you that should not be in you. And so you better make sure that Wi-Fi network says the kingdom of heaven on it. Because if it doesn't say the kingdom of heaven, I promise you it's trying to get some stuff in you. That doesn't belong. And so Paul says, you need to pray continually. And so today, real quick, I just want to give you four things you need to make happen in your life to pray continually. You need to make prayer a priority. You need to have a place to pray. 
You need to have a plan to pray, and then you need to know who you're praying to. So you need to make it a priority. You need to have, have a place. You need to have a plan. And you need to know exactly who you're praying to. So make it a priority. Don't just make prayer an option in your life. Make it the priority. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it's when Daniel's being accused of not worshiping Nebuchadnezzar. They told him, hey, if you keep worshiping, uh, you're God, and you don't bow down to this new statue of Nebuchadnezzar. You're going to be killed and, and persecuted and martyred. And so his solution, now he could have went and, and appealed to the courts and said, hey, this law is unjust. He could have got a really good attorney. He could you know, did a protest, got some signs, and protested the government. But he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't go before the, the castle of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar and, and talk about how unrighteous he is and how unholy he is and, and get, you know, poll the congregation and get a, a movement going. His solution was very simple. He just decided to do what he had done all the time, and he prayed because prayer was his priority. It says this in verse 10 of chapter 6. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It's amazing. If we go back to chapel kids and we talk about Daniel, people we talk about, you know, he went into the lion's den and God saved him from the lion's den. Daniel was this powerful man of influence. He had an excellent spirit. We know all the Bible stories, but the reason we talk about Daniel is not because he survived the lion's den. The reason we talk about Daniel is because he pr prayed three times a day as he had done every single day. See, if you don't pray in the secret place, you will never have power in the public place. We love the heroes of the faith. We love the outcomes of the stories. But the power is not in the outcome. The power is in the process. And his process was prayer is a priority. Even if they tell me I'm not allowed to pray, I'm still going to pray. Even if they tell me I, if I pray, they're going to kill me, I'm still going to pray. Not only that, I'm going to open my windows so they can hear me. Because there's something about your enemies hearing you pray for them that changes them. And he goes up and he prays and he prays and he prays. And even though he prayed, it may not have changed the outcome necessarily. He still had to go to the lion's den, but he had a different attitude, a different perspective, and a different power. You know, we live in a day and age, we've been talking about baseball a little bit in the car with RJ. And, you know, I think Aaron Judge is getting close to breaking some of the home run records or he's on track. So we're talking about Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and, and, and uh, Sammy Sosa, all these guys that Use steroids, performance-enhancing drugs, and how their bodies got bigger, they got stronger, they hit more home runs. Well, there is a performance-enhancing drug, a PED, in the kingdom of heaven. And the PED is this, pray every day. And when you have a PED, it gives you a power other people don't have. And Daniel realized this, this PED, they can all be serving Nebuchadnezzar, but I'm serving my God, and this PED is going to rise me up or raise me up beyond the power of this kingdom. He goes in the lion's den. What happens? The lions shut their mouths. Nebuchadnezzar comes back the next day, looks inside. I don't know what, it doesn't really tell us exactly what happens, but I feel like Daniel's laid up in the corner, like rubbing the lions like a kitty cat. Right? He didn't have to do it. Sometimes we're so busy trying to figure out our own plans and strategies 
trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to escape? You know, here's the lines. If I go to this corner, if I talk to him like, hey, kitty, kitty, kitty. If I, if, I, if I use the right plan, maybe I can survive. His plan was prayer. And when he makes it a priority, this is one thing I've known about God. This, I, if I haven't learned a lot, I've learned this. That when you make praying to God a priority, he makes answering your prayers his priority. Like, I, I don't understand what it, it's almost like the more time you spend with God, the more your stuff gets put up higher on the priority list for God. So when you come in and you're like, oh, you, you know, you're throwing a Hail Mary and you're like, I need God to do this. He, he may answer it, but he's going to get through all the people who's spending time with him that are higher. Not to say that he's not high on you, but if you're close to him and you've made him a priority, he's going to make you a priority. So I... If it's me, I would quit making prayer an option. I would make it a priority for me in my life, my family, my church. But you, don't, you can't just make it a priority. You need to have a place to pray. So I, I encourage you to create a place of prayer where you can disconnect from the worries and distractions of the world. And you can focus and connect on the things of heaven. Like you need to have a place where, where there's no distractions from the world. The phone is off. The TV is off. The worries are, are gone. All that stuff is gone. You're disconnecting from, from this junk to focus on this treasure. Jesus did it. The apostles did it. In Mark 135, it says very early in the morning. And you can do it in the evening, noonday. It's not a time thing. But while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Here's my question. Okay, we, we, we love Jesus. We think Jesus was resurrected. You know, he was crucified for our sins. He was resurrected. He ascended. He's sitting on the throne. He lived a perfect life. He was holy. He did miracles. He raised the dead. He did all this amazing stuff. So we see Jesus as the model and example, but how did he do it? His power was in his prayer life. Even before he went to the cross, he prayed like the power came from this relationship he had with the father i don't do anything unless i hear the father tell me to do it or i see the father do it his power came from this relational connection with the father and the way he maintained that connection was finding a solitary place because i don't know what yours may be mine i have a couple i have my chair in the living room the kids know it's my chair no one else can sit in that chair it's my chair the only thing i have in the entire house my chair where I'll sit, I'll read, I'll read my Bible, I'll read books, i pray, I have a place in my office that's my, my little solitary space. I have my tree stand when I go hunting. I just listen for God's voice. I connect with God in the woods because there's no other distractions. Sometimes it's a, it's a prayer drive up to Collinwood, Tennessee, because my phone doesn't work and no one can bother me. I disconnect from the world so I can connect with heaven. So I don't, I don't know what... Yours may be. Maybe it's an actual prayer closet. When you go home, you take a closet, you clean it out. There's a friend of mine who's a bivocational pastor. His closet is literally his prayer closet in his office. For you, maybe it's a place on your back porch, a rocking chair. Maybe for you, it's a prayer walk. That's how you disconnect from the junk of the world to focus on heaven. But you need a space. You need to make sure that space is holy to you. It's protected. Not everything comes in that space. The news doesn't come in that space. Your anxieties don't come in that space. Your fears don't come in that space. It's a place that's solitary, that is your connection up to heaven. But you also need to have a plan. And I think this is the reason most people don't have a lifestyle prayer. 
They're intimidated by prayer because they don't, they've never been taught how to pray or they don't know how to pray. They think prayer is you know, blessing your meal and that's it. They don't realize prayer is you can have a plan and it can still be spiritual. I'm not a firm believer in just praying scripted prayers, but I believe there's a, a plan and, and prayer can be powerful even with the plan. But if you don't have a plan, you're probably not going to pray. Abraham Lincoln said, planning, uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. And I think with your prayer life, it's the exact same thing. I heard Tony Evans tell a story of a guy he met. He said, these two guys were talking. The guy said, I bet you don't know the Lord's Prayer. The guy says, I know it. He says, I bet you $10 you don't know it. He said, you're on. He begins to say, Lord, as I lay myself down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. The guy looked at him and just laughed. Oh, my goodness, you're so stupid. As he took out his $10, he said, man, I didn't think you knew it. <laughs> and, and so I joke, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the Lord's Prayer until, like, I was in ministry. But I remember I was telling the staff, because we were talking about this message, where I was telling the staff, I said, man, I played AU basketball, I think in seventh grade. I'm the only white guy on the entire team. In our first tournament, they go to break it down before the first game. Right, so I'm used to one, two, three, teamwork, one, two, three, hustle. Like, I'm used to all that stuff. And they break it down and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And they begin chanting, and it builds and builds until the end. For thine is the power and the glory forever. Amen. I was like, wow. That is the coolest team chant I've ever heard. I remember grabbing one of the dudes, and I was like, bro, where did y'all learn that at? Like, I'm the outsider in the club. Like, where did y'all learn that? He said, that's the Lord's Prayer. I said, what is that? That's when I realized church was cooler than I was. And I had no clue. And so we think of the Lord's Prayer as this thing you need to chant or quote. But it's not. Jesus did not intend the Lord's Prayer to be something to put on your wall that you quoted every day. Because we never see Jesus ever say the Lord's Prayer again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't praying the Lord's Prayer. He was pouring his heart out. You never see the disciples or the apostles ever pray the Lord's Prayer, even though this is how he taught them. Because the Lord's Prayer is the motivation for prayer. It's the form of prayer for us to use. And there's four little components to it that I believe are the form. One, he starts with praise. Then he goes to declarations about God. Then he makes his request, and then he ends with praise, or he puts a praise on it. Right? So if you just have this one, and we have resources in our church center app and online, our prayer boot camp has lots of prayer resources in it. But if you just have this one, praise, declarations, request, and praise. Praise, declarations, request, and praise. It will enhance your prayer life, because everything you could ever need to pray about Fits in one of those four sections. We say, what's that look like? One prays, our Father in heaven. He starts with the relational connection, the relational Wi-Fi network that I realize I'm connected to this network to my Father who's in heaven. So now I'm on the network of heaven. And he begin to praise him. I always start praise, Father, thank you so much. You're the name above every other name. You are my strong tower. You are my refuge. You are my blessing. Father, you've loved me before anybody else loved me. And I'll just begin to praise him. Because it's kind of haughty to go in and ask for something for somebody who's already done so much for you. So I start with praise. Then I'll get to the declarations of hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. 
Your name is my refuge and my strong tower. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are my Jehovah Shalom. You're my peace. You're my Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. You're my Jehovah, whatever it may be. And I just begin to praise his name. Why? Because his name is what I'm running to. His name is how he leads me. His name is what he protects even above his glory. So I begin, hallowed be your name. And then I keep on going, thy kingdom come. Your kingdom, God, even as Pastor Anthony's praying, your kingdom not the Republicans' kingdom, not the Democrats' kingdom, not the Persian kingdom, not Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Not so, uh, your kingdom come. Right. I need your kingdom to come to my life. I need, I need healing in my body. I need your kingdom in my body. God, my, my mind is messed up right now. I'm anxious. I'm, just, I'm desperate. I'm depressed. I need your kingdom in my mind. Yeah. God, I need your kingdom in my family. I need your kingdom in my church. God, I need your, ki- your kingdom come. See, many times we think it's just about his kingdom setting up on earth. No, I need your kingdom set up in me. Your kingdom come. And he says, your will be done. Not my will. God, I got a lot of things I like. I got a lot of things I want. But right now I'm telling you, I'm putting those things to the side because I need your will. And I want your will. And I'm submitted to your will right now. So you're making those declarations. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Before you get into the request, then you can start making requests because you've paved the way through praise to enter into this network and connect with God. Then you make your request of give me my daily bread. God, I, I, I need some food. I'm hungry. I'm hungry physically. I'm hungry spiritually. I'm hungry financially. There's some things stacking up on the bill counter that I don't know how I'm going to make it. God, I need, I need some daily bread. God, I need the daily bread of your word. I need your word to show me which way to go. I need your word to guide me. I need your word to lead me. I need your word to feed my soul. Give me this day. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive me my sins. Father, I I need your forgiveness for my sins. I need forgiveness for the sins I know I committed. God, yesterday when we passed the car on the way to Decatur and the man was smoking a cigarette with an oxygen tank on and I had bad thoughts about the Alabama citizens, I need need some forgiveness. (laughs) I drove faster. I thought the car was going to blow up. So I was just trying to get away. God, I need forgiveness of the times I thought I was doing right, but I had the wrong motivations. God, I need forgiveness of my sins. I'm not here for anybody else's sins but my own. God, forgive me my sins. And then, Father, keep me from evil. Father, the temptations in my life are strong. The temptations for you may be temptations of desperation or depression, uh, temptations of of anxiety, depressions of lust, depressions of addiction, depression of narcotics or alcohol, whatever it may be. Father, lead me not into temptation. Let me see the temptations around me and show me a way around. Father, lead me not into temptation. And then Jesus puts a praise on it again. Because praise is kind of like the, the picking up of the phone call and the closing of the phone call. God responds to praise. And so when Jesus gave us this Lord's Prayer, it was a form for you to use. Everything you could ever need is in the parameters of the Lord's Prayer. But I tell, I'm telling you, if you don't have a plan to pray, it may be a list. i got a list in my phone. I actually use Church of the Highlands has a Pray First app, which is a great app. It's a great app. It has a bunch of different prayers that are templates or forms for you to use. I create lists in there. I have a list of almost every pastor in the area. I pray for every Sunday morning. I have a list of radiant pastors, my family, personal needs for our church. I keep a list, and I pray through that list. 
I use another app I've told the staff, Lectio 365, which is kind of more of a liturgical app that I, I, I love the prayers because it, it opens up my mind and my heart to more of an ancient past of prayer throughout the generations. But you'd have to have a plan because failing to plan is planning to fail. And you need to pray continue. But last but not least, you need to know who you're praying to. And so this is not full of, the Trinity is so complex but so beautiful at the same time. And, and I don't have the time to explain all of the parameters of the Trinity, but I will tell you this. The reason the Godhead is in a Trinity is because it demonstrates that God is a relational God before he ever created anything else. Before he created people, he was already in relationship. And so the relationship is his primary characteristic. If you had to break it down to two, it's relationship and holiness are his two primary characteristics. And so we pray to the Father, even Jesus prayed to the Father. We pray to the Father in the name or the authority of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember when I was young, had no church background. Y'all know that because I didn't know the Lord's Prayer. And I would pray and I'd be like, dear Father, dear Jesus, dear Holy Spirit. I wanted to make sure I hit them all. Like, I didn't know which, which one to pray to. And I would tell you there's times you can, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. There's times you can just pray to Jesus. But the primary way is you're praying to the Father in the name of Jesus or the authority of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That when I pray, I'm accessing, I have an appointment with the creator of the universe and the king of kings. And so I'm praying, I'm praying to him. He's the one that sits upon the throne. He's the one that activates everything in the world. And so I'm praying to him. Do you realize when Paul said you can come boldly to the throne of grace, he's saying you can enter into prayer into the king's office. Do you realize what a privilege that is? There's an old story of this young boy was in the park in Washington, D.C., and this guy was sobbing. And the young boy said, what are you, what are you crying about? He said, my brother's getting... Uh, he got committed for murder, convicted for murder, and he was about to be killed the next day. And he's a sob. He's like, I just need to go tell the president. So the president give him a pardon. He doesn't deserve to die. And the guy's just sobbing to this little boy. And he says, sir, come with me. This boy grabs this grown, sobbing man by the hand, walks him past the gate to the White House, past a security desk, past one room, all the way into the Oval Office. And as he walks in, Abraham Lincoln says, son, what do you need? Abraham Lincoln's son took this man into the president's office, not by his own doing, only by the relationship of somebody else. But while he's in there, he could ask for a pardon. He could ask for what he needed. Do you realize Jesus, by his blood, has taken you into the Father's courts, into the throne room of heaven. And while you're there, you can ask him whatever. That's why he say, Father, I need this. Father, I need you. It's, it's access. But you don't go on your own accord. You go in the name of Jesus, which the name of Jesus is a knee that at some point, as a name at some point, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord. It's a name that the name is not magical. Like I, I joke, you know, I grew up in construction where my dad, there's lots of Jesuses running around job sites. But I'm not praying in the name of Jesus. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. And that name is attached to the character, to the holiness, to the righteousness, to the perfection, to the power, to the relationship of Jesus, son of Nazareth. And now that I have his name on my name, when I go to pray, he co-signs for what I need. 
He has the power of turning over my life. And so when I pray and I ask the Father, Father, I need this, he looks at Jesus and says, is he good? Jesus co-signs it. But how do my prayers get there? By the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a big gap between here and there. And the only way my prayers can go from here to there is through the omniscience and omnipotent power of the Holy Spirit. He carries my prayers and my needs and my burdens from here to there for me. And when you realize that you have that amount of power at your disposal to move burdens from earth to heaven, it opens up your prayer life in brand new ways. And I I believe so many of us say, well, my prayers are so small. No, your prayers may be small, but the power of the Holy Spirit is not. Like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd, I, I, I know, but I did a research on the satellites years ago. In the Air Force, I dealt with satellites, and I wanted to see the new technology in satellites, so I'm, I'm researching satellites. Do you realize that a satellite that's orbiting Earth at 22,000 miles away is ran on one kilowatt of power? That's enough to, to power a flashlight for about one day. One kilowatt of power is moving that whole satellite and communicating with earth with that one satellite. And, you, and so many times we think, well, my prayers are small. My, my prayers are weak. Do you realize if that satellite can orbit earth and can communicate from space back down to earth and you have to power the Holy Spirit inside of you, how much more could you communicate with God? Well, I just don't understand. Well, the reason you don't understand is because that satellite may have a little bit of power, but there's a field station that has tons of power in it. And the power in that field station is what powers the communication. So even though your faith may be as small as a mustard seed, there is a power that is so much greater than you that can take that mustard seed and magnify it and multiply it and enhance it enough to get your burdens, your needs up to heaven and bring heaven down into your life. I don't know why God chooses prayer, but I know he chooses prayer as the mechanism to connect his children to the treasuries of heaven. And my prayer is that you, me, myself included, you will raise the standard of prayer where prayer becomes a lifestyle. He said, well, pastor, I don't have all day to pray. I'm not talking about being a monk. I'm talking about a continual awareness of the network you're connected to. Like me and Toy talk throughout the day, at, at night, at home, in the mornings. We talk continually. But there's times we'll be in the car together. She'll be sitting next to me, and we're not talking. But we're still connected. There are times you may be at work or your school where you may not be talking to God, but you're still aware of the connection you have. That is continual prayer. And, and my prayer is that all of us, as we can all connect, will see heaven come to earth. We'll see his kingdom come in our own personal lives, in our church, and in our community. You say, why are we doing prayer meeting? Because we need a place to make prayer a priority. We need to have a plan, one, to pray, but also to model prayer and teach prayer and give a place where God can dwell amidst his people. So if you would, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. I know we talked about prayer, but the primary component of prayer is this relational connection to God. And and, and maybe, actually, I know there's people in this room that you've tried to pray and you gave up because you felt like your prayers weren't being heard. And maybe your prayers weren't being heard because you've never actually begun a relationship with God the Father. 
Maybe you had a church experience. Maybe you, you went to church, you attended church, but you never gave your life to him and let Jesus give his life to you. You never repented of your sins and received him and became a new creation in Christ. We call that salvation. Salvation is when you die to yourself, you repent of who you are and where you've been, and he gives you something new, and you follow Jesus from that point forward. That is salvation. And that begins a connection to the Wi-Fi network of heaven. So maybe some of you in the room, you're needing that connection to God. You only get that connection through the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and that repentance in order to receive Jesus. That's me this morning. I need connected to that network. And today's the day I need to die to myself. I need to receive Jesus and begin to walk with him. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, just for one second. I'm not going to have you stand up today. I'm not going to have you come forward. I just want to see something so I can pray for you. If that's you, just slip your hand up real quick. Tell me, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. After you raise your hand, you can put them down. And I'm going to pray for you in just a second. If you can do me just a, a big favor. As soon as service is over, you can go by the connection point in the lobby. Just say, hey, I raised my hand and I pray with pastor. We want to get some resources into your hands to help you walk this out with Jesus, to help you have a thriving relationship with God, your creator. But Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for these, your people. And I pray, Father, those who responded to the drawing of your Holy Spirit, that as they've confessed, as they've repented, Father, I pray that you pour the blood of Jesus over their minds, their hearts, their souls, their spirits, and their bodies. I pray they become new creations of Christ, Father, not old things fixed up, but new things with a fresh slate, a blank slate, and a new beginning. Father, I pray as they walk with you, they know your voice, they hear your voice, and they're led by your voice. And Father, I pray that you protect them, the seed that you've planted in their hearts today. I pray that you protect from the devourer. We rebuke him now in Jesus' name. We pray for every seed to produce exactly what you sent it to produce, the fullness of Christ in maturity. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can stand to your feet real quick.